So my wife and I were married in 2007 while we were both in grad school. Uh, And being in grad school, that means, of course, that we had no money. So one of our favorite things to do on a Friday night was to rent a movie. And um, a movie came out uh, maybe a year or two later called Hachi. Perhaps you remember this. It featured the actor Richard Gere, and it's based on a true story about a dog. Now, I usually push for action films or comedy, but thinking that Teresa would like this film, I picked it up from Redbox, which is an ancient device that was like an ATM for movies. (laughs) Now, I thought that this was going to be a lighthearted movie about a dog, you know, like Homeward Bound or something. Boy, was I wrong. So we made some popcorn, we snuggled up together on the couch, and we pressed play. And the next 90 minutes were just emotionally grueling. You see, Hachi is the story of a dog who learned to follow its owner to a train station every day. The owner was a professor at a university in the city, and he would take the train there and back. And over time, the professor was amazed to learn that this dog would jump the fence and would follow him, and would meet him there afterwards when he returned. And so he just started letting the dog come with him every day. It is a beautiful story. That is, until the owner, the professor, drops dead one day in class, in the city, while the dog is waiting for him. What will happen if he doesn't come home, we think? Well, of course, the dog waited and waited and waited, and wouldn't leave the station. Teresa was nearly weeping. I think I had a fleck of something in my eye. And she leaned over to me and said, the only thing that could make this movie worse is if this were the rest of the movie, which is exactly what the remainder of it was about. (laughs) The dog would never go home again. So that was the rest of the movie, the dog waiting for his owner to come. This dog was loyal That is, until the day he himself died. So if you've never seen this movie, I'm sorry to have ruined it for you. But dogs are amazing. Dogs are amazing, aren't they? Well, Jesus knows this. And he himself tells a story involving dogs as well. The point of this sermon and also the reading is not to preach about dogs. But if we have eyes to see, we will learn that these dogs in the gospel reading show us the way of mercy, even as the other primary human character fails miserably to show the same. But first, we need to situate this passage, our gospel reading, within the larger narrative of Scripture, where we learn two ways that people can live. First, the way of the beast, and second, the way of mercy. And these two options, these two ways, always stand before us. The way of the beast, I've talked about this in my Sunday school class if you're in there, it emerges in Genesis 3 with the fall, but it becomes even more apparent in the story of Cain and Abel. You might remember that Cain and Abel were supposed to exercise proper dominion over the earth and over the beast of the earth, but instead of exercising proper dominion and proper stewardship of all that they had, Cain, in particular, sinks to the level of a beast, taking the way of the beast that is crouching at the door, waiting for him to choose sin. And what does he do? He kills off his brother. Evil is then personified again in Daniel, the book of Daniel, the prophet, chapter 7, as a beast. 
several beasts actually, emerging from the sea, causing havoc and death and chaos and disorder. But one like a son of man is able to slay the beast or the beasts, which is to say the way of evil. So into this larger scriptural narrative, of which we could provide multiple other examples, comes this story that Jesus tells. We arrive at our gospel reading, and we learn that the way of mercy, ironically, in this story, is shown by beasts who show the way of mercy that Cain refused to show and that now this rich man refuses to show. This is supposed to grab our attention. Here's what it says. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table, even the dogs. Even the dogs or beasts would come and lick his sores. This would have been striking to the original hearers. These dogs show the mercy that the rich man refuses to show. And this is a subtle point for us. But at that point, it would have been loud and clear, an indictment of the rich man. Even this beast shows mercy. Where was yours, Jesus seems to be saying. So why is this significant? Well, very often we need to look up from our screens or from our other distractions and look around at the creation around us because creation very often reminds us of our creatureliness, that we're not the creator. We're not in charge of everything. Our lives are contingent and actually they're contingent on one another. And our purpose, our purpose can be parsed out in many ways, but it is also at least to live lives of faithful stewardship, overflowing, overflowing with abundant mercy to those around us. But like the beast, very often we have gone wild. So Wendell Berry has a great quote where he talks about our wild natures in comparison to animals around us. Here's what he says. The longer I have lived and worked here among the non-commercial creatures of the woods and fields, he's a farmer, the less I have been able to conceive of them as wild. They plainly are going about their own domestic lives, finding or making shelter, gathering food, minding their health, raising their young, always well adapted to their places. They're far better at domesticity than we industrial humans are. It became clear to me also that they think of us as wild, and they are right. We are the ones who are undomesticated, barbarous, unrestrained, disorderly, extravagant, consumptive, and out of control. They are our natural teachers, and we have learned too little from them. It's a powerful indictment from a farmer. You see, Jesus points us to the mercy of a dog so that we do not live lives like beasts, gobbling up just whatever we can consume. Paul himself recognizes this too, that our call is to be expressed, as we heard only a moment ago, in being rich in good works, generous and willing to share. Now, it is a privilege to be here at St. George's. And our capital campaign, for instance, is a visible sign of the generosity of this parish. 
But I've got to address what the passages say. We must not forget. We must never forget that our souls are in peril if we fail to show mercy. Mercy is the way that Jesus is calling us to. And not just in an abstract way, but in relationships with those that we encounter day to day, the stranger especially. But even more important than this is to know that our God is the most merciful of all and will forgive us even when we have strayed from his way, when we have sunk into the way of beasts. Our shame, it evaporates in his mercy as we learn that all of our failures, all of our secrets, all of our beastly ways, they are nailed to the cross with him. And we have the chance again today to turn to him, to God, whose way of mercy leads to the life that really is life. So let us turn to the God who has always turned towards us with open arms.